HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is proudly brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Visit WholeFoodsMarket.com or download the Whole Foods Market app to learn more and find the store nearest to you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hello, welcome to Japanese. I'm your host, Akiko Katayama, a food writer and director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deeper understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcasting live from a studio at Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every deli in the supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi ramen zakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is still a mystery for many people, so I'll try to demystify it in this program with my cool guests. And my guests today are Nick Kim and Jimmy Lau, who are chefs and co-owners of Shuko, a 20-seat highly recognized sushi restaurant in East Village, which opened in uh, 2012 at uh, 14. And Nick and Kim met each other at Net, uh, Masa, one of the most accoladed sushi restaurants in New York City, and eventually opened Shuko together in 2014. So sushi has been a part of Jap American diet nowadays, and you can find sushi anywhere, even at local supermarkets. And especially in New York City, super high-end, serious sushi restaurants are now, like Shuko, are now thriving lately. So today, uh, we'll discuss Nick and Jimmy's philosophy of making sushi at Shuko, how they managed to incorporate creativity to authentic sushi, and much, much more. But quickly before we start, Japanese is available on Heritage Radio Network website as well as on iTunes and Stitcher as a podcast. Please go to iTunes and, and Stitcher and subscribe to Japanese. Also, if you have any ideas about topics of the show or show guests, please let us know. And you can email us at japanese at heritageradionetwork.org or kikokatayama.com. Now let's start a conversation with Nick, and, Nick Kim and Jimmy Lau. Hello, Nick. Hello, Jimmy. Welcome to Japanese. Hello. Thanks for having us. Hello, Akiko. Thank you for having us. Welcome. So, um, well, I don't think you remember, but uh, I said that at the sushi come at the Masa right in front of Nick in January 2005. 
So I was very impressed by <laughs> your you. skill and professionalism. Thank you. So it's really nice to have you here both. So, uh, so first of all, uh, please tell us your background. So first, Nick, uh, where are you from and uh, how did you get into cooking? Uh, my parents are Korean, uh, raised in Los Angeles, uh, got into cooking at an early age, uh, uh, loved the, the way the organized chaos of the way the restaurants uh, run. Mm. So I uh, kind of fell in love with the chaos. Ah, interesting. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Jimmy, uh, what about you? Where are you from and how did you get into cooking? Yeah, I'm Jimmy and I'm from uh, China. When I teenage time was, um, my dad was the stomach cake and um, asked me to cook the noodle and I was fell with the cooking noodle and then that makes me want to cook. Mm, wow, that's lovely. <laughs> okay. So uh, so where did you work before you started working at the Masa, which uh, obviously is a very important part of your career building? So first, Nick, uh, I heard that you traveled yourself um, in famous restaurants, um, training yourself in famous restaurants in, across Europe. So what kind of restaurants did you work? Uh, yes. Um, was working mostly in French kitchens, um, the moment when uh, I discovered uh, Masa in LA. Mm. At the time, it was called Ginza Sushiko. Um, after I realized uh, uh, Chef Masa exists uh, mm. in real life, I decided to uh, pursue uh, sort of a career change, uh, pursue the Japanese uh, sort of technique and lifestyle of a cook. Mm. So, did you go to culinary school? To yes. Okay. In the San Francisco, States. yes. Okay. And then, wow, that's interesting. <laughs> right. So, do you chose to be in French cuisine in the beginning? Definitely. Um, I fell in love with uh, um, the, the French brigade and the way uh, uh, the way it was set up and the way um, hard work was. Fell in love with that. Mm. Um, I think a lot of times at that era, uh, French cuisine was the superior type of uh, cuisine you wanted to learn and, and work at and um, I think it still does it's mm. a big part of who I am still um, but the true calling came when I think I discovered uh, Ginza Sushiko mm, okay well maybe French cuisine has a different system to manage a kitchen chaos so that was the first <laughs> yes <you> definitely <laughs> right okay and uh, and how you said you you found uh, Masa at the right. Sushiko because um, at uh, in LA, Masa was sort of an urban legend. He didn't really exist, mm. uh, even though he's been around for many years. Uh, <clears throat> but one article, uh, uh, Los Angeles Time Review, uh, Masa Ginza Sushiko at the time, and that's when I first saw that he actually does exist. Mm. And that's when I uh, decided that that's the, the path that I wanted to uh, mm. choose. Right. So the Ginza Sushiko is a really established restaurant in Ginza. And then having that name kind of succeeded, it's a big deal for Japanese chefs. So De Definitely. Um, it comes with a lot of uh, history and, and pressure, I imagine, and uh, to use the name. Mm. Um, and when he came, when Masa came to Los Angeles, he used the name to open his place, mm. Ginza Sushiko. And, um, and, and when I first saw it, I definitely thought it was the most beautiful 200 square foot restaurant in my life <laughs> it was a very small compact restaurant but I thought it was 
exactly what it's look, supposed to look like. Mm. And then you worked uh, for him as a head chef? Well, when I first got there, yes, I was head of cleaning. <laughs> I want to say chef. <laughs> I, I was uh, responsible for uh, cleaning mm. um, uh, throughout the days and nights. And, um, no, but uh, this is it's not a joke, right? It's very important it, to keep the sushi restaurant clean. It's very much, a, right. Very right. essential part. Very important. Uh, it was like uh, a very, very stressful to make sure everything was clean properly and then... And it also sets you up for the next phase as well. Mm. Uh, at the time, it, you, one probably doesn't realize that, but uh, cleaning and organizing things uh, in that Japanese old school sort of way, it, it does set up the next steps and the next steps that follow. Mm. Like uh, Zen Temple, they make remake uh, the Zen Garden every day. Right. So it's almost like the same thing. Exactly. And he, you know, at the time uh, in LA, it's much more practical to drive so getting f- fresh flowers every day is was a normal thing mm, right okay and uh so then you came to new york with him right um after a couple years in ginza sushiko um we uh, masa decided to close and move the operation to new york which then we followed um uh, uh and that's the reason why i'm here in new york mm, okay and what do you think you learned from masa takayama Uh, pretty much everything. <laughs> everything from um, not just just food related, but I think I've the biggest impact is like things like colors and how things sometimes naturally fall in place. Uh, mm-hmm. Central Park and just New York City, the Four Season. I think there's so many things that happen naturally. The way things shines, the way things bundled up together naturally is something that I think I would have never noticed without you know having him and spending a lot of time just. With conversations, um, he really did open up my eyes to that for sure.、Mm, okay, so、uh, now Jimmy,、um, I heard that、uh, before you started working at Masa, you worked at a variety of Japanese restaurants and then spent a year and a half cooking across the United States to learn French, Italian, Chinese, and Turkish cuisines. So, what kind of restaurants did you work and what did you learn? Actually,、um, the, before I worked at Sushi, I was working at the Chinese restaurant.、Mm. Yeah, and then I was the. Cause, and then I, after I changed to work the、uh, sushi, sushi restaurant. Because、um, I started working at sushi restaurant, and then kind of it's, it's new to me the cuisine. And I, I worked there, and kind of I love to make the Japanese cuisine. And then in the year 2000 time, I was have,、uh, my wife was back to China, and then I kind of bring the children. I kind of have time, and I I just decide to like close the country, and then to try every different restaurant. When I taste the restaurant, and I feel like something special, and I try want to stay there a little moment. Sometimes I just <laughs> try to stay dishwasher or something.、Right. Try to see something to pick something. Yeah.、Mm. Okay, because、mm-hmm. we talk about、uh, the food at、uh, Shuko soon, but it's naturally very global, so probably you experience、uh, in different places、uh, in the States really contributes to your natural creativity, like global.、Um, yeah, so Nick,、uh, the background, he, he has preached on the,、um, the, the French cook, the European cook, and then I learned some. I know some the French cook, but not not as strong as Nick. But I I know the、um, Chinese cook. So、mm. in cooking techniques,、uh, a lot is basic 
things is probably is similar. Just how to how to use the way my different and use the ingredient my different. But mm. like uh, in Chinese cuisine, they you you can see that like um they call butchergai like um poached uh, chicken. Mm. You see the bones still a little bit a uh, little bit bloody on that. Mm. The basically is like a, um. The French cuisine called souvet, mm. the kind of low temperature cook. That so its technique is a lot of similar. But how to do that? Maybe in each cuisine is different. Mm. Different way come out. Right, Yeah. So sometimes you see interesting like a lot of things very similar, and then you can they relate it together. Mm. So it's kind of like you globalize. Different kind of cuisine naturally through that kind of experience. Yeah, yeah, kind of like that. <laughs> mm, interesting. And then you came to New- back to New York, and then you served as a head chef at the Masa Takayama Spa Masa, uh, yes. which is next to Masa uh, in Tamawanak Building, Global yes. Circle. So, what did you learn from uh, the experience? So actually, work the because before I see the more like um, I didn't work so much the like. Uh, very fine the cuisine, the cooking, and the masa is kind of my finest cuisine. I worked at the restaurant I worked at before, and then working there, you can see like making my eyes open and the minds open because everything kind of you know it's the same thing. The so masa does this way, and you can see oh, you can do this way, and then can feel the difference. Mm. Yeah. That, Totally making my eye, my my mind open. Mm, interesting. So, um, but you know, both of you have diverse culinary background, and you chose to make sushi as your main theme. So, mm-hmm. what's the reason for that? I mean, maybe Nick, you you can start. Um, right. When I once again, it's uh, trying to understand the world of sushi was what I was trying to gravitate to, mm. and. Um, and I think uh, to an extent, I didn't realize how deep the sushi culture went when I first started. I just was really seeking uh, sort of uh, a chef that I wanted to dedicate years of of training and, and try to understand, um, uh, get a really good foundation. And I think uh, uh, didn't at the same time, once again, didn't realize how deep that sushi culture goes until I was in it. Mm. And realize how um, how historically and how many different you know uh, ways of uh, to approach it and uh, and fell in love with the way uh, Masa uh, put his sushi together. Mm. So and different kinds of approaches. That means like uh, ingredients, how you prepare rice, so the kind of aspects. Right, all, all of the above. Just going back to what Jimmy was saying, I think you know there's a million sushi restaurants, a million sushi chefs, and I'm. All of them probably do it a million different ways, mm. and the way Masa did it, I've never seen. Just the way he, the first and foremost, even before buying it or even receiving it, just the whole philosophy on it, mm. and how to how to sort of be in tune with the seasonality, texture, how to treat it, how to store it, how to execute it, how, and and just the reward from a guest face I think mm. uh, it, it says it all with, the, with no words mm. um, and there's a million steps before it even goes into a guest's mouth right. uh, and, and that part was uh, very very intriguing for sure mm. fell in love with that part right what about you Jimmy? yeah about I same like Nick says so 
in sushi there you can always can find a lot of details you can do in like a details and then after the details like a symbol like a fish you know you you can it's very simple things like you do this uh, scrapper skill and you can do the scraper to like roughly the scrap and you can use a knife to peel the skill and then not touch the under the skin the fast the moving you know when when you like do the roughly mm. that you can change the fish inside the fat so taste is it's moving but if you do gently use a knife to purely just between the skin and the skill to remove that and then that will save the the fish the uh, taste and then fat is more evenly and then once you taste and then be changed. Mm. That, that's that is very detailed things, and uh, even the uh, vegetable, and uh, you can learn how like uh, you take care of your knife, nice, and then you cut the vegetable, not break the vegetable, the shell, and then can vegetable can live the life more longer. Mm. Simple like uh, you cut a rough, maybe one day, scaling would die, would smell coming, but if you cut a nice, you can keep it like uh, four or five days, still looks like uh, very alive. Mm. Yeah, that details make a lot of things. Different. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that details, a lot of such chefs say it's a respect to the fish who died for us. So That's you well, have yes, to sure. really <laughs> make the most of it yes. responsibly. Definitely. Right. Okay. And uh, you guys been to Japan? Yes, yes. we do. So okay. do you think uh, the experience influenced you? Oh, for sure. Can't help. Can't yeah. help but to be influenced. Mm. Uh, so, what kind of way? I think uh, from morning to drinking coffee to the way the subway <laughs> station <laughs> runs, so um, punctual and, 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 of course, the hospitality. And then just going back to the food part of it, the way uh, the whole country sort of uh, moves in a certain groove. They're, they're hearing a certain sound, and they all move into this perfection, seems like, in this sound of theirs. Um, and the way when you go to certain restaurants, uh, how how they treat the fish again, the details of it, the A to Z, um, it's hard to s- not be influenced by it. Mm, right. Yeah, that reminds me of uh, you know if, if you're standing on the subway station in Tokyo, mm-hmm. you know the station masters or whoever is in charge of the train, they really like point right. the top of the train <laughs> yeah. like raise and direct to the end that is so kind of militaristic but it's more like uh, respectfully for sure who are almost praying for safety or something yes yes yeah, yeah. it's amazing yeah, yeah not like a New York MTA <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> big difference like sometimes like an hour you're you waiting there you don't know what happened yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, a, it's a whole cultural <laughs> thing it's a package good and bad but Japan could be yeah. able to sometimes right, <laughs> right. okay so uh, so but how did you guys uh, of course you met at the Masa like you know next to each other but how did you come up with the idea of opening a restaurant together I think just spending um, a lot of time together talking and when when you work at a restaurant, you find yourself spending more time with co-workers than you do maybe with your family or, you know. Um, so Jimmy and I spent a lot of time <laughs> um, just, for, once again, just not really talking about opening a restaurant, but about ingredients and, and just techniques and just uh, really... Uh, spending a lot of time about just food Mm. Um, and naturally that you know drove us to have a curiosity of how it would be if we implement our theories and and the way we think 
uh, into our own restaurant. Mm -hmm. Not to say that other philosophies don't matter, but you know, uh, with one conversation of just technique, you could sort of have a hundred different style of techniques, and our, our our views seemed to be similar. So it was a lot. It was very easy to have these conversations. Mm, right. So I think uh, through the conversations, you already nurtured the concept of shuko, I guess. Definitely. Yeah. Well, sometimes I, I joking with Nick. I say, Nick, I see you morning. Uh, I see my family. You know, we every day stick together like uh, how long? Like uh, over twelve hours every mm. day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In the back of the home, I see my family like a few hours, and then most is on a, on a bad timing. <laughs> <laughs> but do you guys still stick to together? So that means something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. And so, uh, what is the concept of Shuko, which you opened uh, in two thousand fourteen? Uh, well, we found the word shuko um, um, by accident, just like everything else. Uh, uh, we understood that there was a, a sort of a, like a pub um, mm. that fishermen used to go to after you know a long day of fishing, and they would go back to this pub um, to eat dried fish and drink mm. sakis and homemade things mm. like that, and uh, they would call that shuko. Okay. Yeah, like sort of a what we know as a pub where people go and drink and eat, mm. and um and it, and it was a rough place. Right. We were told because no fishermen are you know, <laughs> they're not wearing a Tom Ford suit or anything like that. <laughs> they're coming in smelling like fish mm. and just kind of unwinding. Right. Um. So we took that sort of uh, word and sort of spun it the way uh, uh, we would sort of like to see in New York in, in this era. Mm, so it's kind of soulful. Very soulful, right. Mm, right. And then you can keep going back without getting tired because you have a place to be. Exactly. Mm. Okay. And uh, what kind of menus do you offer at Chico? We offer two menus. Uh, one, sushi omakase, and the other one is uh, kaiseki uh, sushi, which is... Uh, uh, our interpretation of uh, the kaiseki tasting, mm -hmm. which uh, we have sort of um, anywhere from five to six to seven courses that come from not the sushi side, but more from the cold station and the hot kitchen. And, mm. and, and then the second half, we uh, finish with the sushi omakase. Mm, okay. And omakase means uh, I'll leave it to you. To yes. The chef, so. And we leave it up to Mother Nature to let us know what we think is or what she thinks is the best that's mm. available awesome yeah we don't force um something that we really love but that's not in season we mm. won't really purchase it or think about it because just it's off the season right i think that's the very nature of the japanese cuisine yes to, it to the nature definitely right okay and according to shuko's website uh shuko offers daily tasting menus from chefs Nick Kim and Jimmy Lau based on traditional Japanese flavors and techniques. And I, I like the word based on. So considering your diverse international uh, culinary background, um, you must have tons of ideas to incorporate into tradition. So how do you manage to balance authenticity and creativity in your sushi? I think we first and foremost, we sort of start with always sort of... Uh, the Japanese techniques that we've been learning and training first and foremost and allow to sort of be the base and then build it up. Mm. Um, I think without the strong knowledge and understanding and training, uh, one could get a little bit confusing. Uh, but since we do feel comfortable with the, the, the amount of uh, training and knowledge that we have, it uh, sort of allows us to 
feel comfortable to just bend a little bit outside of the normal Japanese culture,、mm. or one would think.、Mm. Um, and we have great、uh, chef de cuisines, Brian Garcia and、uh, David Palermo, who also、um, helps us sort of develop this、uh, and execution of per course,、mm. if, you, if you will. Right. So I'm sure our audience wants to know what kind of、uh, actual dishes do you offer. Which reflects balance between authenticity and creativity. So maybe you can give us a couple examples. Sure.、Um, like、um, right now, our sunomono dish is、um, a, a Dungeness crab, but rather than using dashi as a base, we're using tomato as, a, as the dashi. So it's a tomato dashi.、Mm, because it's a full of umami. Exactly.、Right. And tomato being the season right now.、Um, It's sort of、um, uh, when you drink it, we don't want you to sort of hopefully don't feel like you're in France or you're in Japan. We hope that you're just feeling like it goes unnoticed in some ways、mm. um, because everything in that ingredient, like, has Mizunazu, you know, it has、um, Kyuri and Shiso and a lot of Japanese element, but there's a lot of little non Japanese technique that kind of helps it put together.、Mm. And,、um, And, and we don't try to do it with intentionally. A lot of times it just sort of comes out that way.、Mm. And,、um, and the most thing we, we sort of try to strive for is、uh, what the, are we happy with it? Are the customer be happy with it? And the way it would taste at the end is the most sort of the,、mm. is the goal. Right. And I was looking at,、uh, I think this is your opening menu, and house made mochi with shiso, pistachio miso. And toasted pistachio. Yes. And pistachio miso, no other Japanese people would think of it, but this really makes sense. Right. The nutty, I mean, I think if we wrote sesame miso, it would start to make more sense to someone that's used to、um, a Japanese format.、Mm. Um, but, right, pistachio is just as, you know, it, it brings a, sort of a different nutty taste to the mochi.、Mm-hmm. Uh, love, like, Grilled pistachios. So, when we did the grilled mochi, it just sort of made sense.、Mm. And the pistachio miso has like all kinds of umami.、Mm. Um, and, and shiso just sort of helps it come back together with the freshness.、Mm. Um, and yes, that was our opening menu. And, and we, we sort of take things out and put it back. So, so that we evolve in our menu. Okay, I hope、uh, you put it back because I <laughs> wanted to taste it. Right. So, and、um, I saw an excellent video about your sushi philosophy on munchies, and in which Jimmy says any cuisine has stronger parts and weaker parts. And how you take out the weaker parts and put the strong parts together is challenging. So, how do you do that? Oh, well. <laughs> 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 yeah, so as. As I know, it's、um, the init,、uh, initial, uh, initial the,、um, the development of the cuisine of the、um, influ- influence the,、um, influenced by the,、um, by the um, ter- ter-、um, territorial property,、mm-hmm. climate, and、mm-hmm. the,、um, his. Historical condition and、um, eating habit.、Mm. So, those things, each place would be, each cuisine would be different. So, they assemble like、um, Sichuan cuisine.、Mm. So, Sichuan cuisine in、uh, China is middle, 
middle of the China, there is the basin, right? Mm. That basin not not close not close to the ocean. So you want to access one cuisine to handle the um, seafood. So there will be you know we can then Canton Cantonese cuisine. Mm. Those Canton is pretty long the ocean line. Right. So that will be different. Mm. Right. So you can mm. take the strong part for for instance Cantonese cuisine's uh, use of fish. Yes. So. Cantonese part, um, but Cantonese, when they cooking other things, they will be not like Sichuan mm. cuisine there, because uh, Sichuan, they is all around is mountain, so in the nearby, is, is um, so many different like China, so many different states, so not like the um Kandong there. So and the weather things is very different with the Kandong. Mm. So that's one the cuisine will be different. The people know know that Sichuan food is most like spicy things. Right. But you don't heard about it. Mm. They are famous of the seafood. Right. Yeah. But in Cantonese cuisine you will heard like a lot about the seafood of things. Mm. Like. So in other words, uh, here in New York City there's no geographical you know, limitation, and you can have seasoned tomatoes to your dishes. So mm-hmm. it's in the same way you can have the best fish part from Cantonese element, and then spicy incorporated into that element in yeah. one place, right? Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So uh, we'll take a quick break here, and when we come back, we'll talk about how Zen mindset helps to create great sushi at Shiko. So please stay with us. <laughs> Today's program is proudly brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Whole Foods Market believes in seeking out local, fresh, and seasonal food and in supporting local farmers, makers, and the community as a whole, economically and agriculturally. Whole Foods Market believes in food that is vivid and colorful, fresh and full of nutrients, food that connects you to your body, the seasons, and to nature, food that helps you do more, sleep better, and wake up happier. Found in over 400 locations throughout the United States, Whole Foods Market only sells food that meets their standards, which means no artificial colors, flavors, preservatives, or sweeteners, ever. Whole Foods Market believes in real food. Visit WholeFoodsMarket.com or download the Whole Foods Market app to learn more. Welcome back. You're listening to Japan Needs, broadcasting live from a studio in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I'm your host, Akiko Katayama, and my guests today are Nick Kim and Jimmy Lau, who are the chefs and co-owners of Shuko, a 20-seat highly recognized sushi restaurant in East Village, which opened in 2014. So um, I heard that uh, you have Zen mindset when you prepare food. So could you elaborate on that? Uh, for me, um, I'm sort of... Um Inspired, especially being in New York, um, by everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Everything sort of inspires me. Um, sometimes it has nothing to do with restaurants. It has nothing to do with food. Um, it could be a, a behavior of someone or someone's suggestion about a certain word that I don't... Maybe I look up and it's sort of like this word, one-off. Right. I've just been sort of intrigued on it and, and then 
didn't realize that word actually meant like there's no second of that um so lately i've been just just thinking about that word and and seeing how it could define um us mm-hmm. um in, in a in a one word sentence <laughs> but as far as like creating i think um there's not one sort of particular thing that occurs for me to start thinking mm-hmm. it's more of like a lifestyle i think where you just constantly think and usually definitely uh quieter the better but mm-hmm. sometimes i think certain noise could trigger a certain um vision or focus um so for me i, I it's usually zen is supposed to be quiet and by yourself in the corner uh for me it's more uh, living in new york um it's it, it could be that but it's also inspired by noise or color or mm. you know it's so many things that trigger a thought mm. so in other words that silence can make you be uh, become aware mm-hmm. of the kind of different sound or definitely. inspiration definitely even i think guests sometimes make certain noise that is saying i'm enjoying this and and that certain noise or face uh, expression uh is something that i'm always chasing after to mm-hmm. get the result from what we did to get all the way to the customers uh mouth for them to in their brain they're having really good time and having a pleasure eating eating mm-hmm. that making that impression and um saying without words just their face expression mm-hmm. that's definitely uh always trying to go for that definitely mm-hmm. What about you, Jimmy? Um, actually, the Zen mind, right? So sometimes doing the one things when you really focus doing things and then you kind of kind of do the same move, like a, um, like a repeat again, 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 like a example, like a, every time when the mass are there, like Monday and Thursday, the fish day coming. Mm. And we always, everyone like busy to clean up the fish and <laughs> let it start away. And then when I, when I do that, like sometimes I got a bunch of kohada in front of me and I do that. And then, and then you, doing things is kind of like if the same thing doing this kind of, sometimes you feel boring, but sometimes it's a, when you focus on that and then your mind kind of so empty. And then, mm. and it, I, I try to like feel time, it's kind of like a ear kind of like. A, you you hear like mm, like a, like a water into ear and that your mind is so empty and that you don't kind of like I don't think anything and that but the hands still move same things mm. same and it's still cutting and that, and that for minutes we wake up and like a, oh how I did I do that but mm. I, but I still does the things and I not cut the thing fingers or something you know but I feel like that my like um Buddhist says how to call it as it's crazy. Mm-hmm. How to how to call that? Is is Buddhist Buddhist kind of say that? It's uh, it cause how how to call that? Oh, hmm. I I I forgot how to not work. Yeah, but I, I you know I see your point that when your mind is empty, instead of noises like unnecessary noises 
coming across your head all the time, thinking about, worry about things in the past right. and the, the future. Nece- the unnecessary yeah. noise, I think, is definitely um, distracting. Mm. Uh, just going back to what Jimmy was saying, like at that time, um, hearing the water drip on your counterboard mm. was for me a, a sense of rhythm and zen as well. If mm. I if the water is going too strong, it kind of is very distracting. But if it hits a certain flow. And, and the knife hitting the board and because mm. everybody's pretty much quiet all you're hearing is work but the work sound could be very very intriguing and, and, and mm. very calming even right. though there's a lot of movement and, mm. and, and uh, but I remember enjoying definitely even today the sound of, of like water running or even now in the kitchen if you hear certain things being grilled like the ch- Mm. I think those are um, not the type of noise that is distracting, but the noise that sort of gravitate to. Mm. Right. That's that's noises that you need to listen to yourself. Right. Right. Definitely. Mm. Okay. Because I think, I'm sure you you go to different restaurants, right? And then you can really think Mm -hmm. of, imagine how chefs was cooking. When it's a purified mindset, I, I really think it's the really reflected on food. Definitely, I agree. Yeah. So, that's great. So, uh, what is the, this is a different kind of question, but the, what, what is the key to make the most of uh, the flavor of the fish? Uh, for me, I think it's uh, A to Z. Uh, it goes all the way from, like, picking the fish at the right moment. Uh, once it comes in, treating it exactly the way it should be. Going mm-hmm. back to what Jimmy's saying. Uh, sort of breaking it down to the best possible way in order to preserve the fat, the natural fat, and not damaging the meat, mm. and then storing it properly. And then, you know, I think the end result will show all that. Mm. Right. Again, it sounds like uh, respect to... All the way. I think so. Ingredients. I think so. Right. And, and I heard that, Jimmy, uh, you go foraging. So... By yourself in New York City. So, um, what, what is the point of foraging by yourself? Um, so when the springtime, I think uh, Mother Nature brings so many beautiful stuff, and uh, some stuff like yomogi, natuna, sauerkraut, those things you have to find at the market, or someone can get it for you. And uh, so we think like. Uh, these things we can bring to the restaurant and then for the customers you know, they you know share what we mm. yeah what we know and then the beautiful things to the customer right. so by picking you get inspired and kind of uh, develop menu in the process <laughs> yeah definitely right okay I'm curious where you go though for foraging <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah yeah sometime I got a police you know asking me to leave <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> right. um, yeah but uh, you know I heard you you know Tama uh, Matsuka Hi. she's a real uh, expert of uh, foraging right big fans and um, they've collaborated uh at times looking for things as well mm. um, so. but I think if you look back into like Kyoto cuisine they've been foraging from way back when of sort of a, not like a life not like a fashionable thing as mm-hmm. it is so much now uh, I think it's just the culture mm. right and I think uh, again you know respect to nature 
mm-hmm. and because Definitely. it's a food chain, I yes, think. For sure. So it's kind of why do not do it? Why would not do it? Exactly. Yeah. Right. Okay, but it's a lot of work, so I appreciate <laughs> Jimmy's hard work <laughs> <Yeah>. in project. <laughs> right. And uh, so I heard that. Um, um, oh, by the way, who are, who are coming to your to Shuko? What kind of people dine at Shuko? I think uh, we have all walks of life. We have um, definitely the regulars. Um, we have uh, cooks that save up all their, you know, every little penny they have because cooks usually don't make enough money to even, mm. you know, eat a hot dog sometimes. So uh, uh, from cooks to uh, people who just on vacation, wants to eat New York style food to... Um, Every day, it seems like we have different type of um, customers that come through. Mm. Um, Japanese customers, Korean customers, Chinese customers, Middle mm. Eastern. <laughs> we have right. we have pretty huge range. Mm. I mean, it sounds like uh, it shows the maturity of uh, Dinah's palate. For sure. I mean, Definitely. of course, Japanese sushi, I think, is noticeable from the last generation to now. Yes, completely, I think. Mm. Very, very different. Do you realize, like, through the conversation, that the, the way they order sushi or fish today say something different? Well, com- I think coming from, like, Los Angeles and seeing the way sushi was made in L.A., uh, minus Ginza Sushi, Gorozawa, and I'm, I'm sure I'm missing one or two other ones, it was very sort of uh, standard. Mm. Um, there wasn't really some, there wasn't no refineness or elegance too much to it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and and so I think more and more now, uh, uh, chefs and uh, restaurants are putting a little bit more emphasis into that in mm-hmm. New York. Right. Okay. And by the way, where do you get your fish from? We get it from all around the world. Uh, we don't discriminate just to get it from Japan. Uh, we we're a big fan of local or long as wherever it is coming from, it's at the moment, and, and, and we think it's uh, at its peak season mm. um it really could come from anywhere um but we just we just desire its peakness and its freshness and, mm. and um we're we have wide ranges where mm. it could come from well it's interesting because uh you know fish we don't recognize fish as seasonal mm-hmm. we treat them like meat <laughs> but it's very seasonal very seasonal a lot of shellfish is very seasonal and um and even certain things that are available year-round, we choose not to just to follow the, the real seasonality of, uh, of New York and, mm. and, uh, and the way Japan would think of it to an extent. Mm-hmm. Right. And as a sushi chef, uh, what's your opinion about sustainable fish consumption? Because I heard that more than 85% of the world's fisheries have been pushed to or beyond their bio- biological limits and are in need for strict management plans to restore them. Um, for example, our tuna is uh, um, sort of farm-raised, but it's, it's, no one's cultivating it. It's just sort of netted millions and millions, of, not millions, but hundreds of acres out in the, in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, and they're caught wild and brought in and, and sort of uh, farm-raised. And, um, and uh, that's the tuna that we use currently. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do use farm-raised. Um, and, and we're sort of use both. Mm. Right, because I think 
it's inevitable. And the health world, health industry says eat more fish. Yes. And it's good for us too. Yes. So we have to keep the balance somewhere. Definitely. Right. Okay. And uh, the sushi is now really uh, part of American diet, and you can find sushi at every corner deli for, <laughs> yes. you know, students, whatever. And, but, you know, the omakase-based super high-end restaurants, like those in Ginza and, of course, that should go, is becoming really popular. And people pay for a lot of money. Yes. So uh, how do you describe the current status of sushi in the States? Um, I think it's uh, uh, more popular than ever. Um, I think just nationwide, there's more uh, sushi restaurants being open almost like every other five seconds. Mm. So I think it's a good thing. It's helping the, the industry and it's helping, um, you know... Uh, maybe younger cooks who couldn't have that opportunity and having the opportunity. Mm. Um, I think uh, our era was a little different. We, we kept on training and training and training, and we're like, one more year, one more year. Mm. We, we need, you know, we're always focused on building our, our techniques and knowledge and, and experience, and I don't think it's necessarily that way anymore. Mm. Um, so I think that's changed a little bit. Right. Yeah, another thing is that the ambience of Shuko is not traditional, like, you know, kind of a Zen temple yes. thing, <laughs> and uh, including service and music. So um, is that the kind of reflection that you want to make it more approachable? Definitely. I think, um, you know, um, we sort of growing up in Los Angeles, um, music was a big part of my growing up and and uh, working at such formal places, a lot of times I just wish that didn't have to play jazz or, or love songs or elevator music. Mm. So when the opportunity came, um, I sort of like closed my eyes and just crossed my fingers and sort of hoped that it would work out. Mm. And for the most part, I think it, <laughs> it, it has. Mm. And I think it's good to have choices. Mm. Of course, if you go to Ginza and uh, same price range of restaurants, you know, um, probably you'd look for something more traditional. Yes. But in New York, why do you have to have the same thing? Right. In New York, I think, was the biggest influence of a lot of the decisions um, because I think we like to call ourselves a, a very New York restaurant mm. um, um, because we're so influenced by it. Right. Okay. And uh, so what is the biggest challenge in running your own sushi restaurant in New York City? I think everything. <laughs> There's not one thing I think that's easy. Mm. Right. Uh, lo finding locations or finding the right everything is just um, not easy. But a great journey for sure. Mm. It's uh, nothing like it. Right. Well, Jimmy, you laugh, so you have anything <laughs> specifically? No, it's a, it's all, all about it, yeah. Mm. Even finding a location is not that easy. We, we're still looking for the location, but uh, not that easy finding. Mm. So you're in Chelsea, though? We're in Union Square. Oh, it's Union oh, Square. Right, like right. near uh, Union Square Park and, oh, okay, and, and right, the market. Right. So, right. Which uh, we were hoping for because we rely on the market, you know, very heavily. Mm. So, but, you know, daily operation, you don't have any issues. Once you open, you find the location. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, running a sushi restaurant because everybody... 
I think luckily like sushi <laughs> in New York City right now. So that's it's not a big challenge for you. Um, I mean, I think the challenge we put on ourselves on a daily basis, mm. um, making sure we're because we're very uh, guest forward. We're always discussing how we can improve with the guest mm. and even the fish and um, even relationship within ourselves. How do we improve on that and staff and mm. and you know uh, New York's a very competitive uh, market so you know we're always sort of trying to improve what we have already built and just mm. keep it moving forward right and that's why you need a zen moment every yeah. day <laughs> <laughs> right so what's your plan for the future um going foraging by myself <laughs> <laughs> one you day take turn. yeah <laughs> Um, I think just uh, for the future for us, I think, is to keep the um, shoot go nice and healthy and um, finding more opportunities for the staff and allowing for growth. I think growth is uh, very important, and so we're really focused on that. Mm. Right. Growth in terms of staff. Definitely. Um, just A to Z, I think, um, having because a lot of the staff that we have had has been with us for a very long time, so... Um, always interesting, you know, it's pretty um, not as easy and always sort of it's interesting to keep it moving forward for them as well and, mm. and finding new opportunities. And, and, mm. and I think if I had to sum it up as growth is what we're sort of seeking. Right. Mm, that's wonderful. Okay. What about you, Jimmy? Yeah, def- definitely like uh, Nick says. So in future, we're looking for the order, you know, honestly. All the stuff that they are growing, the restaurants grow. Mm. <laughs> so maybe including myself, I need to grow. <laughs> right, <coughs> and uh, maybe one day open a place in Tokyo. And that'd be interesting, <laughs> right? Well, but I think uh, it's the whole sushi uh, pie of sushi industry. Mm-hmm. It's growing, and yes. it's inspired by non-Japanese yes. restaurants yes. outside Japan. So mm-hmm. I think it's really beneficial to Japanese restaurants in Japan. Definitely, I think so. Mm. Okay, so good luck. Thank you. Thank you. Right, and so thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having us again. Okay, so listeners, if you'd like to know more about Nick and Jimmy's sushi, please go to shukonyc.com. That is S-H-U-K-O-N-Y-C.com. And if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for guests or topics of the show, please contact us at japaneats at heritageradionetwork.org. And Japaneats is live at 3 p.m. on Mondays and always available at heritageradionetwork.org and iTunes and the Stitcher as a podcast. And please go to iTunes and Stitcher and write away review. We really appreciate your feedback. And today's show, um, our engineer is David Tassiore. And thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? 
rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.